Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Lending Tree Inc. First Quarter 2021 Earnings Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Later, we will conduct a question and answer session, and instructions will follow at that time. If anyone should require assistance during the conference, please press star, then zero on your touchtone telephone. As a reminder, this conference call is being recorded. I would now like to turn the conference over to your host, Mr. Trent Ziegler, Vice President of Investor Relations. Uh, great. Thanks, Operator, uh, and thanks to everyone for joining the call this morning to discuss LendingTree's first quarter 2021 financial results. Uh, on the phone with me today are Doug Lebda, LendingTree's Chairman and CEO, and J.D. Moriarty, currently our CFO. As a reminder to everyone, we posted a detailed letter to shareholders on our Investor Relations website earlier today. And for purposes of today's call, we'll assume that listeners have read that letter and we'll spend most of our time on Q&A. Before I hand the call over to Doug, I also want to remind everyone that during today's call, we may discuss LendingTree's expectations for future performance. Any forward-looking statements we make are subject to risks and uncertainties, and LendingTree's actual results could differ materially from the views expressed today. Many but not all of the risks we face are described in our periodic reports filed with the SEC. We will also discuss a variety of non-GAAP measures on the call today, and I refer you to today's press release and shareholder letter, both available on our website at investors.lendingtree.com for the comparable GAAP measures, definitions, and full reconciliations of non-GAAP measures to GAAP. And with that, go ahead, Doug. Thanks, Trent, and uh, thanks to everyone for joining the call today. The first quarter's results demonstrate the core strength of our business and the continued momentum we're seeing across all of our segments. We once again substantially exceeded our prior guidance as, as and our perspective on the remainder of the year is improving as the economy continues to gradually reopen. Our home segment posted record revenue in Q1 as consumers and lenders increasingly turned to the lending tree network to fulfill their mortgage needs. Our deep lender network, world-class marketing machine, and product evolution have enabled us to continue to scale our mortgage business throughout market cycles. Our insurance business continues to perform consistently well as a market leader at scale and is clearly less susceptible to macroeconomic conditions. We continue to diversify and strengthen our insurance business by expanding into new traffic acquisition channels, expanding our carrier network, and growing into adjacent categories further adding to the durability of our business model as a whole. And our consumer segment continues to show tangible signs of recovery one quarter after another. We see clear signs of returning demand from our network of lenders, and it's only a matter of time before consumer demand begins to return to pre-pandemic levels. The economy is reopening. Consumers are beginning to borrow and spend, and we're confident that our consumer businesses will continue to accelerate throughout the remainder of the year. In aggregate, we feel really good about the overall health of our business. In addition to the quarter's results, uh, we are also announcing this morning a realignment of our executive team to further propel the business forward. And I'd like to just touch on that briefly. The breadth and scale of our marketplace across categories is an undeniable asset and a core competitive advantage for LendingTree. And it's also become clear over the last several months that in order to sustain the levels of growth that we've historically delivered, certain aspects of our business deserve more focus, and we are organizing the company accordingly. 
You can all read about this in this morning's press release, so I won't spell it out in too much great detail, uh, but here's essentially what we're doing. Neil Salvage is going to continue to lead the uh, core lending tree business and will endeavor to streamline those key assets. Scott Pyree, who founded Quote Wizard, will continue to oversee all things insurance, which has different and unique end market dynamics than our other businesses. Scott will begin reporting directly to me. And I'm thrilled to announce that J.D. Moriarty will be moving into a bigger operational role, leading what we are calling Lending Tree Next. This division of the company will encompass our more strategic initiatives, including our evolving consumer experience, my Lending Tree, strategic partnerships, enterprise sales, corporate development, and broader operations management. And finally, with J.D.'s transition, Trent Ziegler, who you all know very, very well, will be assuming the role of CFO. Trent has held leadership positions throughout our finance team in FD&A, investor relations, and treasury for the last eight years, and this is a natural and well-deserved progression for him. These moves should, should signal our commitment to investing in this company for the long haul. While our core business is incredibly solid, we recognize the need to focus on continued innovation, and we are aligning our people to support those efforts. I'd like to personally congratulate each of these leaders on their new roles. I'd also like to thank our HR team, our board of directors, who provided a great deal of thought leadership throughout our decision-making process. And with renewed energy, focus, and support, I am incredibly confident in our ability to scale this company very long into the future. And with that, operator, let's open it for questions. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have a question at this time, please press star, then the number one on your touchtone telephone. If your question has been answered or you wish to remove yourself from the queue, please press the pound key. Your first question comes from the line of Jamie Friedman from Susquehanna. Uh, Trent, J.D., Scott, Neil, congratulations on the new assignments. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, maybe address to Doug. Um, so Tree has seen the economy through many transitions over the years, whether it was the global financial crisis or the dot-com bubble before that. I want to get your perspective. In terms of COVID and today's reopening themes, Doug, would you say you're a beneficiary of a reopening trade? And if so, which parts of the business and why? Thank you. Hmm. Uh, reopening trade, I'm going to leave uh, the technicals of that to you all. Um, but I would say here's where we think uh, the future kind of recovery goes, which is really along the consumer business. You hit on it that we've uh, weathered many cycles. This past year was probably the first time in Lending Tree's history where we were able to, uh, where we didn't see lenders shutting us off as their volume uh, kicked up. Um, and so we think we're going to continue to grow in mortgage, um, but definitely in the consumer businesses, that's where um, we expect to see, uh, you know, a renewed growth. The credit card companies and the personal loan companies are starting to make loans again, and then uh, and then they move into the online channels, which is where they find lending trees. So I think that's probably the uh, the most likely uh, quote unquote reopening trade. JD, what do you think? Yeah, Jamie, it's a good it's a good question. It is um, 
I think there are two ways of looking at it. Obviously, as you know, there are a number of um, companies that are clear, what I would call clear short-term beneficiaries or clear companies that, that got five years worth of um, brand awareness through COVID um, without the marketing spend. Uh, we're certainly not in that category. However, I think longer term, we are absolutely a beneficiary. If you think about overall marketing spend for our financial services partners in any of our categories, whether that's in home, whether that's in credit card, personal loan, or insurance, this, what we've just been through, we think, is going to move more and more of that spend online. It is going to force those who had not adopted to online channels of marketing to do so. That's going to take some time. Now, obviously, we've been through um, the short term of it. Uh, we think we're getting through the short term of it, and our results are testament to that. We're seeing signs of recovery there. Longer term, we think this is very, very good for our business. So, you know, I, most times people use the term reopening trade. They're thinking about a beneficiary in a one or two quarter way. Uh, as the, as the reopening, you know, of the economy, as you see, as you see things like New York City opening this morning, geez, what does that mean for Q3, Q4? I think we will benefit some. I care much more about the long-term impact, which is more and more marketing spend is going to come online, and that's going to benefit each of our segments. So I, I, I do think so. I don't think we're as obvious as some of the other ones, but I think longer term for sure. Great. I'll drop back in the queue. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Jed Kelly with Oppenheimer. Great. Uh, thanks for taking my questions. Um, two, if I may. Um, just J.D. or Doug, can you talk about how we should look at the unit economics or, or margin in sort of the consumer segment as as products start to come back, and particularly in credit card, personal loan? And then just, just with the new management structure, um, Doug, how does this tie into my lending tree and some of the stuff you talked with at your last analyst day um, in December of 2019? Thank you. Sure. Uh, yeah, why don't I take the second one uh, first, and then, J.D., uh, take you in economics. Uh, so how this ties into my – the new org ties into my lending tree, uh, my lending tree, and our post-submit uh, experience – are going to be reporting into JD, uh, where we're going to be doing a lot of experimentation and innovation. Not to say we're, we're going to have that inside every one of our business units, uh, but that's where we're really going to focus on continuing to get back to ramming speed. Um, and the numbers are looking very, very positive uh, from that front. And if you just think about what we're really trying to do at a, at a high level is basically take one bucket, if you will, of product and tech work and be able to split it up into three different uh, streams so that we can then uh, move assets around them to uh, as, as priorities change. So this definitely, you know, the uh, the next group within uh, Lending Tree is all about improving the unit economics, all about improving conversion rates, um, hopefully getting step change improvements in NPS, um, and then the Powered by Lending Tree, which is co-branding, et cetera, uh, with partners. That's in JD's world, too. And so I think it's going to give us a lot of focus in that world. It's also going to give our uh, 
uh, Neil and team a lot, uh, much more ability to focus there. And we, we're calling it internally, we're dividing and conquering. Um, JD, you want to touch on union economics? Yeah, sure. Um, you can talk, talk about your new role too, if you want. That's okay. I'd rather talk about unit economics stuff. No, um, uh, I'm just kidding. I, Jed, we can obviously talk about that alignment, um, at any, at any length, but I think we're just excited to have dedicated focus on those things. I look at each of the things in my world as really being an extension of those core marketplace assets and that how do we, <clears throat> how do we use that competitive advantage to grow in a, in an outsized way? So that's, that's the thought process. As it relates to unit economics, just stepping back from it and, and looking at Q1 a year ago, and that is one of the ways that we look at our business, uh, you know, internally as well. And we've got to remind everybody that each of those businesses within consumer are not yet back to 2019 capacity. Or when we do our projection for where they'll be the end of this quarter, we're happy to see that our home business is obviously dramatically ahead and our insurance business is meaningfully ahead. But our small business, personal and credit card, are literally 50, you know, mid 50%, 54% for small business is our projection relative to where it was pre-COVID. Personal loans, 58-ish percent. Credit card, 43%. And that's on a revenue basis. So that ripples through obviously on our margin profile, as, as your question points out. And so, you know, a year ago um, when uh, the consumer business was 42% of our of our um, revenue, it was also operating at a 36% margin. And, you know, the aggregate margin is still very healthy in consumer. But as we've talked about, credit card is not. So let's just talk about the puts and takes on each of those because um, there are some things affecting both of them that are a little bit unique. Um, personal loan margins remain healthy. The issue with personal loans is volume on the consumer side. So the lender demand is absolutely there. We have not yet seen a renewed um, renewed consumer demand. We're starting to see signs of it, which is great. Um, but, you know, obviously all the stimulus money out there has had an impact on that. So uh, the margin profile in that business, though, remains very, very strong for us. So we're, we're happy with that. Um, the lender demand is there. And as we see consumer demand come in with the return to consumers traveling, building up credit card balances, we will absolutely see a return in that personal loan business. And we're excited about that. Um, our guide is conservative in this business in particular, this and credit card. Um, we think for good reason. We've approached the entire year with conservatism around consumer because just calling the timing is extraordinarily hard. Now, when you look at unit economics and credit card, um, those are sub 10% right now, okay, uh, in terms of VMMs. So recognize that that is a drag. We're, we you know, we said this in the third quarter of last year. We said that when credit card returns, and we're seeing that revenue growth, revenue growth would would lead contribution growth. And so what's going to impact that for us? I think on the last call I said, you know, we're one aggressive issuer away from being able to garner some margin there. 
And that's kind of where we are. We're, we're getting there. Uh, revenue per approval is moving up, which is great. Um, but you know what else needs to move up? Approval rate. So that underwriting box that the credit card issuer uh, is signing up for is improving, but it needs to move up a little bit higher, right? So we're spending marketing dollars to direct, to redirect consumers to our credit card issuer partners. We're getting paid a certain amount per approval, and the more that they approve, the more that we will benefit. Um, right now, as we try to build back revenue and take market share in card, we're doing so with a very modest VMM contribution, sub 10%. That's the right strategy for the business uh, as we try to get more issuer wallet, and that's how we're going to rebuild the business. And I just, you know, it, looking back on it, it's a pretty neat, it can be a very meaningful segment, and so we think it's the right strategy. Um, you know, this is a segment, obviously, 17.6 million of revenue, uh, in Q1, but 51 in Q1 a year ago. We know the capacity is there. We've just got to take the steps to get back that partner, uh, wallet, and that's what we're doing. So as we look at the remainder of the year, we are, we are conservative with respect to forecast. We think that margin is going to come back. We're probably most conservative in card. Okay. Um, and and then a little bit more positive on personal loan, but the timing of personal loan is just hard because we know that consumers um, have not built up a great deal of credit card debt. So um, that's it's the only business, Jed, to your question on unit economics, it's the only business that's really operating at a structurally different margin profile. Um, and and you know that is that's by choice as we build it back. Uh, you know the drivers with respect to to home and why that's operating at a lower VMM at the moment. Um, but personal loan is exactly where it was. Got it. And then just one follow up on and thanks for all the information. Is there any business out of out of personal loans, credit cards, or small businesses? Is any of those longer term structurally impaired from? COVID, or do you think they can all get back to their 2019 margin profiles in the next 18 to 24 no, I think, months? Okay, J.D., go ahead, and then you I'll know, we, Yeah, I don't think they're structurally impaired with respect to margin whatsoever. I, you know, we get some questions periodically where people want to focus on the buy now, pay later space, uh, and is that stealing from credit cards? And I guess I would remind everybody that a couple things. One, that is debt that's out there and that is debt that will be refinanced. <laughs> um, and then two, <clears throat> if that is indeed stealing from the credit card space, then customer acquisition actually goes up right? in terms of priority, right? You're going to need to, a credit card issuer is going to need to grow their portfolios at some point. And so competition for the consumer is actually ultimately a good thing for us. Um, so no, I don't think any of them are structurally impaired. And then in small business, um, that's a business that continues to be really resilient. Um, and I think that on the other side of PPP, when people understand kind of the health of a restaurant, the health of some of these small businesses, I think you're going to see a new class of small business lenders emerge. Um, and so that will be a real, a real benefit for us. So no, I, I don't think any of them are structurally, um, impaired, and I actually think that they could be better businesses on the other side of this. Thank and you. I, and I totally agree. I was going to say uh, not impaired. 
to JD's point of being better. Uh, I think during the past year, we've just seen it in every category. People are obviously more and more comfortable online, and uh, more and more of the consumer space is moving online, consumer lending space. And uh, so I think it is going to be better uh, post-COVID than pre. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Yusef Squally with Truist Securities. Hey, Yusuf. Hey, uh, sorry about that. I have you guys on mute. Apologies. Um, so congrats um, all around. So two quick questions for me. Back on my lending tree, can you maybe just speak to where you are uh, in the integration of non-personal loan products within within my lending tree? So where are you with credit cards, with mortgage, insurance, et cetera? And, and really, what are the gating factors there? Because we've been... Obviously, um, talking about my lending tree for for a while, um, <laughs> and there are clear advantages to you guys um, optimizing that business. So just maybe speak to that. And then um, in terms of your guidance, I was just hoping that you'd maybe uh, <coughs> get a sense of what what you guys are baking in in terms of um, growth by segment. So home is obviously doing really well. The consumer business came in uh, materially slower, but, but then again, I think in the letter you guys fleshed out what happened. Uh, March ended up strong, so are we back to a, a 20% plus trajectory for that segment? I'm sorry, for the for the insurance business, that is. And, um, you know, any kind of uh, uh, directional uh, uh, well, I guess any any uh, kind of quantification of, of, of uh, what you're baking for, for the consumer would be super helpful. Thank you. JD, you want you want to take that? Yeah, sure. So why don't I do this? Um, I will take. Let me start with the my lending tree question, um, and let's give some context around that. Um, so a couple things. We'll, let me start with acquisition, and we're going to get to the integration of other products. Um, from an acquisition perspective, we've been very happy with each of the last two quarters. Okay, so if you think about the fact that personal loans. Our, our growth of the My Lending Tree base has been driven by our existing competitive advantage, our existing, and largely our personal loan funnel, right? And so just to level set for everyone in use, if I think you get this, but, you know, personal loans is, the, is obviously the product that is most aligned. Um, for personal loans as a business to go through what it did in 2020, and be relatively dormant in Q4 and even in Q1, and for us to have this acquisition growth, um, you know, that's the single best quarter we've had in terms of new MyLT uh, users. We're thrilled with that. That means that our acquisition strategy to syndicate this platform to partners is working. And so we're really happy with that. And that is the beginning of a little bit less reliance on personal loans. Now, that's on the acquisition side. Your question has to do with revenue. And clearly, personal loans is still very much tied to um, to to this business and, and will continue to because people log in and they repeat users, et cetera. But we made very good progress in the quarter in – in mortgage. Now, obviously, when you look at the quarter that we had in mortgage, it's not surprising. 
Um, but quarter on quarter, credit card, you know, just in terms of revenue contribution, credit card was up 26%. So that, like, the alignment with other products is happening. Um, a lot of the work that went on last year, Yusuf, was um, sort of infrastructure. Plaid is sort of critical to that. It enables, it's foundational to these other products. So one of them, the most obvious, is insurance. And quite literally, just yesterday, we, we did uh, launch a new integration in insurance. So we are chipping away at the strategy around getting insurance into my LT and having a differentiated offering there as well. Um, and so that is tied to our agency business, um, which we've talked about. And we're trying to get bindable quotes. We want that experience in my LT to be a different experience for the consumer um, than they typically get. And so that's why it takes some time. But if you look, you're starting to see more and more insurance profiling within um, within my LT. And that's the you know you look at our at our segments um, you know to get one of those one of the big segments really aligned is is going to be huge for my LT. Now, um, so so we think we're making great progress. Recognize we went into 2020 with great reliance on personal loan, and when that business tails off, um, you're going to see not only our revenue tail off, but our sign-ups tail off. We think we've countered that with this acquisition strategy, uh, and we think you'll see meaningful progress in insurance in the back part of the year. So, um that's that's the strategy. We've talked about um, a number of the initiatives within insurance. Uh, my LT is is core to that uh, relative to you know the the agency strategy as well as the um, the dealership app that we've talked about. So my LT is gonna is gonna work hand in hand with that, uh, and we think it will be pretty impactful. Um, but but core to it all is we've got to get this user base up, and so we're thrilled with the acquisition growth. Yeah, the only thing um, I would, uh, your, the only thing yeah, I would okay. accentuate onto that oh, is uh, is the notion of new experiences, um, which is as a member of my lending tree, um, we obviously can push uh, alerts to you for transactions, opposed to the consumer having to be self directed and thinking about it. Um, and as part of those new experiences, you also have credit improvement, etc. So think of my lending tree as both tied with Lending Tree and um, its own separate uh, flow in and its flow out. JD said that uh, so far we've been getting most of those users from our other loan types. Over time, uh, you know, that starts to change. And the uh, the numbers on my Lending Tree from the consumer standpoint, from liking it, from you know, NPS um, and saving consumers money, it's definitely working. You said the second question was related to, I'm sorry, I just want to restate the second question. It was related to our guide and specifically consumer. I just want to be sure. Well, it was actually really to just get a Oh, no, sorry, it was insurance and yeah, yeah sorry, mostly insurance, insurance but also would love to get your take on on the, on on your your views of the sustainability of the the strength in home and then kind of the the recovery sloping consumer. Yeah, why don't um, I think Trent's going to take that and then I can give additional commentary. Yeah, yeah, Yusuf, as you um, 
you just look at the, the guide for Q2 relative to, to what we did in Q1, I think it recognized that in Q1, the home numbers were pretty extraordinary, whether you look at it on a sequential growth basis or, or year on year. Um, you know, some of that, and this is hard to quantify, but some of that is probably related to, you know, to rates moving up in the quarter and, and people getting off the fence with regard to, to refi activity. Um, so moving into Q2, we do assume that um, it, there is a little bit of a sequential decline in, in home, uh, still very healthy, and, and, and the declines are pretty modest. But offsetting that decline is, is you know, a surging insurance business. You know, we said the early part of Q1, um, we saw some challenges, but that we exited March, uh, growing north of 30%. We expect that to continue into into the second quarter. Um, and then with regard to consumer, we've talked a lot about kind of our perspective on where that's headed. We, you know, for guidance purposes, are, are continuing to be pretty conservative there, but we, we continue to expect, um, you know, kind of modest recovery across all the key businesses there, card, personal loan, small business. Um, so that's kind of the, you know, the revenue and, and marketing aspect of it. From an OPEX standpoint, you know, the guide does imply a step up of 3 to $4 million in, in OPEX, non-marketing OPEX, quarter to quarter. Um, we called this out in the letter, but about $2 million of that increase is, is related to a very specific investment that we're making in the insurance business to support the build-out of, of what we're trying to do on the Medicare agency side. Um, so I think, you know, worth, worth calling that out. That will bear fruit later this year and, and for many years to come. That's helpful. Then the, the only, Yusuf, the only thing, uh, you know, insurance, our largest uh, segment, um, it, you know, insurance had an extraordinary March, uh, a difficult January and February, but the, the business overall remains a far more um, consistent one um, than many of our other segments. Uh, it doesn't have quite the uh, tie to to macro factors. Um, so we're really happy with the performance in March and, the, and, and certainly the run rate in, in April. And so we have a lot of confidence in that business being the type of grower, um, that we, that we anticipated, you know, when we, when we set our budget in December. So that, that March performance gives us all the confidence, um, in that business. Um, the only other thing I should touch on is just this, uh, we talked about $2 million of expense in the quarter associated with Medicare. That's an investment decision. And one of the things that we're really happy with over the last couple of years at Lending Tree is, you know, our intern, not just our corp dev and, and, and acquisitions, but also our internal investments. And this is a good example of one that we greenlit in January. And so we'll continue to build out a Medicare uh, agency business. And that's a very seasonal business. So it will drag, um, you know, just to give you a sense, last year we had on average about 15 agents in 2020. Um, we finished the year with being January, we were about 27. Uh, we have a plan to grow that by the end of the year to 150. Um, and so that's going to drag a bit in, in Q2 and Q3 and should pay off meaningfully in Q4. And this is all part of that strategy of diversifying the insurance business. And so um, we know the unit economics. We know it because we were in that business last year. Now that we are confident in the unit economics and the ability to execute, we're going to press on the gas there. Um, and so when you look at that step up in OPEX, just recognize $2 million is from Medicare. Uh, about about 500 is from um, payroll taxes on stock options. So two things that are just worth calling out on the OPEX line. 
Okay. A lot of insights. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Rob Wildtech with Autonomous. Hi, guys. Uh, I just, hey, Rob. Uh, good morning. Just wanted to follow up on uh, on OpEx. You called out a good quarter in, in 1Q, and then, Trent, you mentioned a step up in 2Q. I'm wondering what drove the improvement in the first quarter and then how you're thinking about, um, you know, the OpEx trajectory beyond the second quarter. Uh, let me just uh, hit uh, slightly harder on something that J.D. just said about internal investments. I think that'll uh, talk about this. When you when you see us investing um, and calling it out, it uh, generally means we we've got a lot of confidence in uh, in that in the growth of that product, and, and we don't make those investments lightly. And then I'll turn it over to you too. Sure. So, Rob, um, listen, we obviously last year as a company, when when COVID hit and we saw revenue compress and and VMD compress in certain of our businesses, we we pressed pause, but we didn't do a full. Um, we didn't do a full hiring freeze because we wanted to be in growth mode and put ourselves in a position to grow this year. Um, we did go to a plan B, so we obviously grew up X last year as a company, not as much as we had anticipated um, heading into 2020, but we grew up X. Um, we had, we're going into 2021 with a basic internal rule, two, two internal rules. It needs to grow slower than VMD and we need to head back in the direction of less than 20% of revenue. Okay, now obviously when revenue compressed last year, that got out of whack. But we're trying to balance growth initiatives um, with OPEX. And so those are the two rules internally, and we're monitoring it monthly and quarterly and, and trying to see where we invest. And so Medicare is a good example of that. Um, and we're going to lean into things like that, but then we're going to moderate the OPEX growth in the, the areas that are not growing. What I'm very happy about is that most of our expansion is in things like insurance that are growing really nicely. Um, so y- you should see in the subsequent quarters um, growth, but at a slowing rate in OPEX. That's our goal. Um, and so – uh, we think, you know, we're, we're, what I ultimately care about is not any one given quarter, but the aggregate year, and are we starting to deliver on those promises VMD growth relative to OPEX. That's, that, those are the marching orders internally. Um, in terms of incremental things to pay attention to, one thing worth noting, you know, we were bearing incremental um, lease expense, uh, which we talked about, um, that um, – because we are moving into a new headquarters building in Charlotte, um, and we we had two leases. We are out of uh, the second lease in Charlotte um, as of January, so that uh, while you would think that would be in, included in Q1, the reality is we do have some some OPEX that is tied to the relocation, so it won't quite normalize for another quarter or so, um, but it is starting to normalize there from a lease expense perspective. Uh, Trent, anything I missed there? No, I don't think anything specifically worth worth calling out. Um, uh, you know, just the, the expenses of getting into the new headquarters, which we uh, we do intend to start bringing people back into the office uh, in the summer uh, and over the next few months, at least on an optional basis at first. Um, so there, you know, there will be some some expenses associated with that, but nothing major. 
Got it. Thank you, guys, and, and congrats on the new roles. Thanks very much. Thanks. Our next question comes from the line of John Campbell with Stevens, Inc. Hey, guys. Good morning. And, uh, yeah, I'd like to echo the congrats also on the leadership changes. I think that's pretty exciting, and uh, big congrats to Trent. That's a well-deserved uh, promotion for sure. Um, but, you know, I, I jumped on a little late here, so I apologize if you guys uh, already covered this. But, you know, when I see the term Lending Tree Next, I, I, I really can't help but think that's you guys maybe hinting at an eventual deeper move kind of into the asset side of the consumer balance sheet. So maybe if you guys can talk to – uh, where you are in regards to that journey, and then, J.D., if you could maybe provide a quick update on the stash investment and kind of how that relationship's progressed since the JV investment. Yeah, when you say the asset side, specifically, what are you, where are you thinking there? Uh, bringing in savings, looking at more of maybe the wealth advisor role, uh, selling leads into that, just more, just anything outside of, of the debt side for consumers. Uh, so, so, the, so, yeah, I wouldn't call um, – the next thing saying that we are that it, it it's not the reason the asset side is not the reason for the reorg and we're going to continue to make inroads there uh the financial advisor uh relationships we think is a natural extension and uh, we think there are so yes and savings right now uh and also spending is sitting jd talked about the plaid uh, integration with seeing all that data, we can be much smarter about how we're talking to consumers about it and how, and can do some basic budgeting and, you know, encouraging people to, uh, save to achieve, uh, whatever their underlying financial goal is. Jay, you want to take it from there? Yeah, sure. So John, I guess I would just say it is, um, the consumer side will be part of it for sure, but it's broader than that. Um, so my LT, so, in within what we're calling next, if you think about each of these areas, they're an extension off of our core marketplace assets. So my lending tree um, is an asset for us. It's been built off of the um, off of the marketplace business. We need to take that to the next level and dedicate real focus for it. Okay, so that's so my LT is part of it. It is adjacent to what we call consumer experience. Now consumer experience could include Make one, making sure obviously that we take our marketplace consumers and get them to re-engage with my lending tree. That's one piece of it. Another is saying, how do we reinvent a given consumer experience from what we have today? So today in you come in for home and we match you to multiple lenders. What about other consumer experiences that we, we might want to explore and innovate? That's within the consumer experience of Next. Now, another part of it is what we call Powered by Lending Tree. And the idea is, and I mentioned this syndication um, as being part of the strategy of growing my LT. Well, Powered by Lending Tree is a little broader than, than that, right? Powered by Lending Tree for any of our partners could be you, wanna, you want um, us to power a financial wellness platform. You want us to power a managed marketplace. Uh, you are a, a, a financial services partner that wants to m- monetize through loan products. That would be all in this partnership area. So these are all things that are not in and, in and of themselves marketplace assets, but they are extensions or growth off of that. Now, also in there is corporate development. And so we'll continue to be acquisitive. Um, 
but it's going to be very much tied to the overarching strategy um, that we're detailing here, which is how do we get more, how do we use our existing marketplace asset? How do we get higher level partnerships? And then how do we use corp- corporate development to augment that? Now, obviously, you've mentioned Stash. Stash is something we, we love the company. Um, we invested in February of last year at a $700 million valuation. Um, and, and they've done really well and they recently raised money at a billion three. Um, we, there are things that we're already doing with them and we'll continue to try to partner and see how we can make both companies better. Um, and that will be part of rounding out the MyLP experience and how we interact with the consumer. But think about all of this as a re- like a renewed focus on the consumer, as well as a, a an increasing focus on partnerships. That's that's the way I would think about next. Okay, that's that's a great rundown. And then uh, one more quick one here on insurance. If you guys can maybe just remind us, just kind of broadly, uh, the, the the mix of exposure to agents versus carrier spend, uh, and then maybe if you could characterize the behavior or maybe level of competition in the space now. I don't, you know, it's a great, um, I don't know that we disclose or have disclosed that specific mix. Um, so let me, uh, we can try to get you that number if we can, I, but I don't know that we've disclosed it. Um, we, we saw great progress with agents throughout 2020, and actually the agent business um, powered right through COVID. Um, I don't know that I have the exact mix, however. You know, obviously, anybody who's in the insurance business, when you look at top customers, the big carriers like um, Progressive and others are going to be highly a, a huge part of your of your revenue mix. But but so are the big agencies like State Farm and Allstate and Farmers. Uh, yeah, how do we disclose that? Yeah, and uh, I also don't think we disclosed it, and uh, it's de- it's important, but it's not. Um, it's not overly important from the standpoint that some carriers operate through local agencies and local agents and some operate more centrally and we can do calls, clicks, data leads, and now agency. So we've basically got multiple ways to play with our uh, clients um, for however it suits their business model the best. Okay. That's helpful. Thank you guys. Thanks, John. Our next question comes from the line of Mayak Tandon with Needham. Hey, hey, good morning, guys. This is actually Kyle Peterson from Mayak. Uh, thanks for taking the questions. Um, just wanted to touch on the insurance performance on the quarter a little more and see if you guys could give any more color on um, kind of the technical um, issue with one of your large partners um, versus, like, did you guys see any impact from some of the severe winter weather in, like, Texas and some of the surrounding areas? Any additional color would be great. Do you take that, Jenny? Sure. Sure. Um, sure. Um, we had, um, which I think we referenced in, in, our, in our letter, we did have one carrier who had an outage for about five days that did have impact um, on us. Um, and so, you know, that was not not an issue um, relative to a couple of our carriers and where they, and specifically where they had call centers. Um, but but in terms of what we're calling out, there was about a five day outage that that uh, that did impact us. 
Um, you know, do I think that the the improved performance in March, uh, you know, was was more substantive, obviously, than than anything like that. It's just improvement in the overall business and optimization. Um, but yeah, there was there was definitely an outage that impacted us for about five days. Um, got it. And then I guess um, I just wanted to follow up and see if you did you guys no, notice any disruption or change in carrier demand during uh, some of the winter storms kind of in the, towards the middle of the quarter that impacted like Texas and the surrounding areas. Not so much carrier demand. We we did have like um, we did have a um, we did have two partners who had uh, call centers there. So when we're routing our calls business. Um, and those were not staffed because of the weather. It did have impact. Um, but, you know, it was not, it was not ongoing, um, obviously, but it did have impact. So two of our partners did, did, did have less than fully staffed or unstaffed call centers. Got it. That's helpful. And then I guess just, um, you know, one quick follow up on, um, the impact and stimulus. So you guys, you know, called out that there's been some negative impacts on um, personal loan and, and credit card, kind of just the reverberation to it. Um, is, did you guys notice, uh, have some of that demand started to pick back up as some of the stimulus has worked its way through the system, kind of as you guys have progressed through um, through March and into April here? Yeah, so... Um in, in on the consumer side, we certainly on the personal. Let's just start with personal ones. There's you're referring to the consumer demand, and that is actually what causes us to be fairly cautious with respect to guide. It's not to say that it's not better; it is, but it's the stimulus dollar. The stimulus impact is still pretty real. Um, and so, when you look at our guide for the quarter, it's because we're being cautious on the consumer on the, or pardon me, we're being cautious in the consumer segment on the consumer demand for both credit cards and personal loans. Personal loans will typically, even though that business is probably on balance healthier for us than credit card, personal loan will trail credit card, meaning consumers will build up credit card balances. We have not yet really seen that. Uh, they will have to build up credit card balances for there to be demand for personal loans, right? That's the number one use case. So, no, we have not had enough time pass to look at it and say that on the consumer side there's a discernible change in terms of consumer interest in either credit cards or personal loans. What has gotten healthier is the partner dynamic, right? The credit card issuer and the personal loan lender are definitely uh, desirous of growth. Um, and so as the consumer recovers, we will benefit from that for sure. Um, our guide reflects some conservatism because calling and timing is just very hard in light of all the stimulus dollars. Got it. Um, yeah, thanks for all the other thing I would add is, uh, as, as J.D. hit on it, where the, how the balances uh, come back, lenders are lending. Um, a lot of the stimulus money, however, is end up in bank accounts and in savings and obviously in spending. Um, and, uh, but it is, it is definitely coming back. And I think it's good for the American consumer that they've got, you know, less debt and more dry powder. Um, I think that sets us up well for, for uh, the next several years. Okay. That's helpful. Thanks, guys. Your next Thanks, question Joe. comes from the line of Kunal Madakar with Deutsche Bank. 
Hi, great. Uh, thank you for taking uh, my questions. Uh, congratulations uh, on 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 the management changes. Uh, and uh, you know, let's uh, want to start with mortgages. Want to understand? Uh, you know, you, you talked in your letter about how revenue per deed kind of improved. Can we break, disaggregate that into into purchase and refi, and maybe understand refi a bit better in terms of you know how volumes kind of trended over the quarter, uh, where they are now, and how is pricing kind of you know uh, getting impacted by the volume trends. So uh, let me talk at a high level and then uh, hand it over to JD. Uh, uh, so mortgage um, demand obviously demand has been very very high from a consumer standpoint, and our lenders have been um, doing very very well as well, um, and been very profitable. The lenders work on our system very much the way we work inside of Google. And so they're bidding based on segments of consumers and giving us the amount of volume that they're looking for. Um, RPL, or revenue per lead, or, um, uh, has been um, doing better just because as the refinance volume is tapered off, then you have lenders saying, I'd like to keep my pipelines full. And so then they will uh, they'll expand their coverage, um, and they'll ask for more volume, um, maybe reduce their loan, their LTVs, uh, et cetera. Um, and then that pushes up, pushes, that's why RPL gets pushed up. Jay, you want to add on to that? Sure. So, I mean, you know, we, we, um, we went into 2021 knowing, you know, Knowing our cycle, knowing that we could push on on RPL um, and and volume, right? Um, and so you see this revenue strength as a percentage of overall mortgage. You know, while purchase grew meaningfully from where it was, well, on a dollar basis, purchase grew meaningfully from where it was in you know the last three quarters. Okay, so we're very happy with that. You know, it's it's still a little less. It was a little less than ten percent of the aggregate. Now, that's not surprising in a cycle like this, right? With rates where they are, our lenders are going to focus on refinance. Then we monitor um, throughout the quarter, um, and we definitely did see a step up in purchase in in March. Um, some of that is seasonal, right? Um, and so. Um, but we saw RPLs expand meaningfully um, in in purchase and in refinance throughout the quarter. Uh, we would anticipate that in purchase season in the spring, we would anticipate purchase RPLs to move up further. Our guide, um, ref- our guide for um, for Q2 is more cautious with regard to refi just because we have to monitor how much potential refi volume is out there, right? So there's this substitution effect between refi and purchase that, you know, we know very, very well. Um, and so we monitor that and, and, and keep in mind we're working with our, with our lenders to, toward their mix as well. So, um, we're really happy with the progress in RPLs in Q1. Uh, I think we've guided for Q2 with some conservatism because of where rates moved and that volatility in rates. 
Um, but the step up in purchase and in home equity is intended to offset some of that. Uh, and so that's the, that's kind of what you have to balance during this point in the cycle. And, uh, the only thing I'd add on about the, uh, with JD Hubble substitution effect, if you think of this from the perspective of a mortgage company, you can underwrite and close any type of a home loan, a purchase, a refinance, uh, even a home equity loan. And, but given your fixed capacity, um, you're going to go to the most profitable and easiest ones to close at a time of, uh, of high volume. Um, and so that, so that's why, that's why lenders will self-select more into refinance, uh, during periods like last year. And then as their refinance volume starts to slow down, then they open up their purchase filters. Um, and, uh, so, so you see a movement across those loan types. Um, and at times in the past, people will look at a, we'll look at our business and say, oh, my gosh, you've got a lot of refinance business. Well, when that goes away, uh, then you're going to be left with this purchase business. And the reality is there's always still more refinance volume uh, in the market because it's still small in terms of penetration. And lenders move, make that move into uh, into purchase, into smaller loan types, and expanded coverage. And that improves RPL overall. Great. Uh one quick follow-up, and then I have a question on my lending tree. So as, as you look at, like, 2Q and in your projections for 2Q, are you thinking that, you know, purchase also uh, declined sequentially or the decline, the sequential decline is basically just in refi? No, just in, in refi. Okay, great. And then on the my lending tree side, uh, you know, uh, completely get, uh, you know, the, the revenue contribution and what have you, Wanted to understand engagement. So you've been adding, uh, you know, you added a significant number of new folks uh, during the quarter. Uh, what has been the engagement metric in terms of, you know, uh, MAU or DAU or, you know, percentage of time that the people are spending on the platform? So I'm going to uh, I'm going to defer a little bit on this one because uh, I'm not quite sure what we are willing, uh, what we're disclosing or not. Um, but uh, overall, uh, what I would say is um, my lending tree continues to make penetration. And so our engagement numbers have definitely been going up. Particularly what we've noticed is a very large increase in engagement once we link your uh, your accounts to my lending tree. And that is probably somewhat that the consumer experience is better, and it's also somewhat that People who are willing to take that step want to be more engaged, uh, but those, it's definitely improving. Um, we can definitely see our way to profitable marketing uh, just from that alone. We're continuing to add uh, new feature sets inside of there. Um, and then my lending tree becomes a very personal, you know, mass personalization of helping every individual consumer who signs up for it. Jay, you want to talk on uh, any, anything to add to that? Sure. So we try, you know, we, yes. Yeah. Um, so we, we saw um, MAUs, well, it's not, uh, you know, it, it improved in the quarter um, in the area of 10%. Um, and so we're happy with that. Uh, it, so, you know, the engagement, 
you can track, we track engagement on a quarterly basis in terms of active users. We also track it with respect to retention. Um, and so, um, and then perhaps most importantly, we track obviously NPS. Uh, and that was a plus 50 in the month of March. We were very happy with that. So, um, the more that we put in feature sets, um, can all like Plaid and connected accounts, um, we're giving proactive credit updates, recurring expenses and subscriptions. That's a big milestone for us um, in terms of our Plaid feature set. And so we talked last year a lot about predicting cash flow, uh, but there is some engagement that comes with with those feature sets, and so we're starting to see the benefit of that. Okay, great. Thanks. And w- one last housekeeping. Uh, uh, purchase mortgage, uh, you just mentioned that it was, uh, uh, just under 10% of revenue. Was that, uh, under 10% of total lending tree revenue or 10% no, mortgage, of? No, 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 mortgage, mortgage, mortgage revenue. Oh, okay, okay. So back, back okay. out, back out. So not, not the home segment, but mortgage revenue. So back out your, you know, not home equity and not, you know, so the, but a relative to percent of mortgage revenue. Okay, got it. Thank you. Okay. And so to give you some sense, though, it, it was in that area each of the last two quarters. Um, and, you know, it was uh, it was 10 or less percent each of the last three quarters. Um, you know, so it's it, it stepped up meaningfully on an absolute dollar basis. Um, but as a percentage of the overall mortgage business, it was it was still less than 10 percent. Got it. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Melissa Weedle with J.P. Morgan. Hey, Melissa. Hey, congrats to to all and the front well deserved. Um, wanted to just make sure I'm, I'm thinking about the lending tree next in the right way. In to my thinking, there's uh, some components that you guys detailed in the letter of lending tree next that are, are efforts that have been in place. Uh, for a while, as we talked about, um, and so this seems like more of an emphasis to sort of turbocharged growth uh, with those efforts and adding perhaps a couple of, of new ones on the enterprise side and, and partnership side. Um, should we expect incremental, sizable investment related to these, and not just uh, in you, just sort of more generally? Sure. So uh, I like to think of this, as I said before, as kind of a, as a divide and conquer and to not have to have you know, all of our executives sitting in the same, you know, sort of resource prioritization uh, stuff across the organization. And we can basically break it up into areas. Um, I think you would expect to see more investment, but the investment will come based on very specific ROIs that uh, that that make sense for us. And, uh, and that'll be smart moves. So JD talked about that process and, uh, and that's working very, very well. So that's where, for example, the Medicare agency came from was through that process of somebody saying, here's an investment we'd like to make. You know, we look at it, green light it, and then, and then track it after that. JD? Yeah, I just, Melissa, I would think of it as, um, you're right that things like my lending tree are already well developed. Things like powered by lending tree are less developed, right? And so what we're recognizing is that something like my lending tree has gotten to a certain scale and now it needs 
it needs real focus where independent of our existing competitive advantage in our marketplace business, we might make some different decisions with respect to how you, like, for instance, how you market loyalty. You might um, orient the marketing differently. You might actually not just looking at, look at it as a um, more efficient marketing channel for the exchange, for the marketplace business, but you might really take an orientation that says, what's, what does the consumer care about? What is really going to drive engagement? So we are going to focus on that. Does that mean it's going to need more dollars? No, not necessarily. Um, it's just going to be, that's going to be a focus thing. So to Doug's point, where are we spending our time? We're going to be more efficient with respect to the focus on that and that consumer experience. Then there are things like powered by where we think we can, in a relatively efficient way, um, leverage our existing asset, meaning there are partners that we could, you know, from a BD perspective, uh, folks that we can partner with, and we already have a pretty big backlog of, of interested parties for whom we can power monetization. We can power uh, a marketplace business. And that's just leverage. And so that will be very beneficial to the aggregate margin profile of the company over time. There might be some upfront investment, but I don't think it's going to be huge. It's going to be more of a focus, however, on essentially B2B on that side of the business. Um, and, and so that's the way that I would think about it. And then underpinning all of this, you know, is a focus on the consumer and, and what does that experience look like? Um, so that could be, um, redefining what the mortgage experience looks like. Um, and, but that needs real, real focus independent of the existing marketplace business. Um, so a bit more product orientation on the consumer is the way I would describe it. Okay, that's really helpful. Thank you. Uh, follow-up question on the home segment. Um, I think I heard Trent speak to, you know, revenues coming off slightly in 2Q. Um, not sure if I heard that right. Um, we're certainly noting the 1Q revenue peak in that category, but is it fair to assume that as we come off that that peak in 1Q that the margin profile in that segment should also normalize and improve a bit? Uh, it is, yes, that's exactly right. Um, we, we have managed that business for VMD gain, but obviously operated in a, in a, in a revenue growth environment. We're operating in a, where the VMMs are going to be a little bit lower because ultimately we're just trying to get as much VMD in the door as possible. Um, and so yes, as we look at the macro environment and say, okay, refi volumes probably come down here. Um, we've made assumptions about revenue being lower than the record revenue, revenue that we experienced in Q1. Um, and yes, we'll, we should enjoy a better margin profile in Q2. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you. I am showing no further questions at this time. I would now like to turn the conference back to Lending Tree Chairman and CEO, Doug Lipta. Thank you very much, and uh, thank you all for uh, joining our call today, um, and thank you for your continued interest and attention for our company. If I could recap the last uh, 12 to 14 months, I would say it was obviously very intense. 
It was obviously incredibly interesting for our company. And I think we came through it as a much better company that is much stronger, that has a great balance sheet, that is very well positioned for the future. I think we're coming off of this with a much better team. I think we've learned as a team how we can work better together. Uh, we've learned how we can be honest and candid with each other and work through uh, gnarly problems and put the best interests of the company uh, ahead of any, any individuals ourselves. We really focused a lot the past uh, 14 months on operational improvements, which are helping us uh, continue to scale. I think we're incredibly well positioned uh, vis-a-vis competitors. We feel very, very good about where we're sitting in the industry. And then the last thing I would say is, as a founder of a company, it is incredibly gratifying and humbling to be able to work with the people that I get to work with every day and that we are able to promote from within. Um, It just gives me the thrill of a lifetime to see people um, doing great things with their careers at every level in the organization. And I can't thank everybody at LendingTree enough for that. Thank you to our lenders, and we look. For, thank you to our shareholders. We look forward to talking to you in three months. Have a great day. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference. Thank you for your participation. Have a wonderful day. You may all disconnect.